Welcome to the Chronically Aware. This podcast covers a variety of conditions, but it is not intended to diagnose or recommend treatment for listeners. For correct diagnosis and treatment, make sure that you take your questions to a licensed medical professional in your area. Please know that people can go through hardships with their conditions, so be mindful that hearing about these conditions and hardships might be a trigger for you as you listen. Additionally, not everybody's chronic condition is the same. Many people experience conditions differently. Again, if you have any questions about your health, please see your medical professionals in your area. Thank you again and enjoy the show. Welcome to part two of the Chronically Aware's episode with Haley discussing common variable immunodeficiency disorder or CVID. Please enjoy the rest of her episode and the show. Thank you. My kind of final question is, or question, series of questions is, um, what you would want friends or family to know and what you would want the medical world to know? All right. So things I would want my friends and family to know I think this has definitely evolved with having been diagnosed and being five years past that diagnosis. I had to think if it was five years. I think it is. Gosh, I would say that I wish they knew slash know um, how much this does still affect me. I can't just be a normal person and this treatment is not temporary. This is for the rest of my life. And I know when I first started my infusions, I had a lot of friends ask me, oh, like how long do you have to do this? And yeah, there's no stopping it. It's it's a forever. Um, so I wish, well, my friends know that now, but I think at the beginning, I wish they knew that because it wasn't exactly something I wanted to talk about. And of course, they're not going to know unless I tell them. So <laughs> there's that. Um, so that was one thing. And then, I mean, it still affects me. I Yes, I have a donor immune system, but that is not the same as having your own. And so I still have fatigue and much more than the average person because my body just fights bacteria and germs in a different way. So if I get sick now, of course it looks different, but I'm exhausted. So just being receptive of that, sometimes I need to take a break if we're doing something, maybe take a nap. <laughs> I love naps. I'm very pro nap. Yay, nap. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I don't want to <laughs> talk badly on a friend. And this is not meant to sound like this, but it's just an example. Uh, I was hanging out with a friend who had come to visit me and we were doing things out and about. And I said, oh gosh, I'm like so tired. And he said, why? We've barely done anything. And so that's just an example of how to him who 
has a normal immune system, is not chronically ill in any capacity. He thinks what we did was not a lot. He wasn't tired, which is great. That's awesome for him. <laughs> for me, it was a lot physically, not necessarily mentally, but physically my body was ready to stop. And so um, I think a lot of people could call this spoon theory. And that's just an analogy of you're given so many spoons or you can call them energy or whatever you need to a day and they're not always equal and sometimes taking a shower could take two spoons out of the five spoons you have or whatever it may be so I think friends and family it would be nice for them to understand that because some days I have all the spoons in the world and I could take on the world other days not so much and I guess everyone could kind of relate to that, even those that aren't chronically ill. But I think people with chronic illness definitely have more variety. We don't have a constant. And that can be really difficult because some days if I go to work, that's all I can do. Once I come home, I have to go to sleep. Or some days I can go to work, I can go out to dinner, I can go to the movies. It just depends. There's a lot of variety in that aspect. And so just being flexible with that um, is what I would love to see from my friends and family. And I will say um, my friends and family are pretty good with this, but it did take an adjustment. And sometimes there's still those times like my example of my friend who they just don't understand it. And I can't blame them for that. They don't live in my body. I don't live in theirs. So just having more understanding about that. So hopefully this podcast will help spread that understanding and awareness because I, I hear you, I think getting uh, donor immunity through immunoglobulin G, it's not replacing immunoglobulin A, IgM, um, it's not replacing all of the components. And so your body, like you said, is still fighting illness in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that can be exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes my friends or people I know will still hang out if they're sick, if it's a little bit. And I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. And nowadays my friends are pretty good with that. They know I I'm not going to be around them if they're sick at all or even think they're sick. Or but if I have bad allergies, probably. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes when I make new friends, this is like a learning curve type thing that we go through and I have to explain everything, which I'm comfortable doing now in my late 20s. But in my early 20s, it was kind of different. I just wanted to be normal, but. It is what it is, and um, I'm at a good place with it, but like I said, I have to take more precautions than the average person. It is nice to know that as we move through the lifespan, we begin to accept ourselves more and our condition, hopefully, our conditions that we have. What about the medical world? The medical (laughs) That is a big one. So earlier when I was talking about my journey with diagnosis, 
I had been to an immunologist. I had been to my pediatrician. I had been to everyone. (laughs) Anyone who would listen, I would be telling them I am sick. I'm not well. What is wrong with me? And that being said, I wasn't diagnosed by people I should have been diagnosed by, especially my immunologist (laughs) at the time growing up, not the one who diagnosed me. (laughs) but that one growing up I'd been to a few actually so all of them but the main one I saw from the time I was 12 to the time I was probably 19 so a large period of my life obviously saw me for multiple 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 infections never tested my IgG so actually it's kind of funny you ask this question because I had a lot of anger built up from this. And I'm not someone who likes to go into an an argument necessarily or conflict being super angry. I like to process it and then be able to talk about it. And so actually at the beginning of this year, so like five years after my diagnosis, I wrote letters to my pediatrician and my immunologist slash allergist, just explaining my diagnosis and how they missed it basically. But but I was nice about it. And no doubt. Yes. That you were (laughs) diplomatic and addressing it. Um, Yes. But how Um, empowering to say y'all missed this. Absolutely. And so That being said, what I would want the medical community, doctors, nurses, what have you, to know is the signs of immunodeficiency. There, I think, are 400 different ones, but they all have Um, primary immunodeficiencies. Yes, 400 different primary immunodeficiencies, CBID being one of them and the most common one. But they all have the same symptoms. So recurrent infections, infections that don't go away with um, antibiotics quickly, at least. Family history is one of the factors and then needing IV antibiotics as well. And so I do not have family that has this, at least that we know of. I have some thoughts, but (laughs) no one else has been diagnosed with it. But anyway, I would want the medical community to be aware of these because so much of my life could have been where I am now. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was grueling and a long process. And it didn't have to be like that, especially when I was going to the correct people. And so in these letters to my two doctors um, from my childhood, I talked about that and the different signs and symptoms of uh, primary immunodeficiency. And I uh, printed out a flyer for the IDF, the Foundation for Immunodeficiency, primaryimmune.org and um, attach that to my letter. So hopefully they don't miss the next kid because that really means something to me. Um, I've worked with kids 
my whole life. And I just really wanted to save another kid from going through this and not knowing until they were an adult. So I just want doctors to know and recognize those symptoms and that they need to be doing this testing for IgG more or Ig in general more than they usually do because I didn't need to wait 22 years for that. So more than normalizing frequent or severe infections to actually test the immunoglobulins to see if there is an underlying immunodeficiency disorder. I know when I looked up CVID on uh, Wikipedia, I think at that point it said like one in 25,000 to one in 50,000 people might have this which sounds like a low number, but when you think of like the population of an entire city, that is a lot of people that might have some form of a primary immunodeficiency disorder. So the more the medical community is informed about what this presents like, what it looks like and doesn't normalize frequent infections, but will actually test for it. I love that you reached out to try to save a kid from going through the things that you've gone through. I'm really curious, did either of those doctors respond? Nope, they did not. I kind of thought they would too, but they didn't unless it's somewhere floating in the mail right now, but I have not gotten anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's okay. I don't need anything. <laughs> Other than for them to, yes, other nice to receive a, I hear you, and I'm so sorry that you suffered this much, and now I know to look for this. Exactly, it would have been very nice to hear that, especially because I went to them like almost my whole childhood, so I really grew up with these doctors, especially because I was always there, and in my letter to my pediatrician, I remember I wrote. I don't know if you remember my name, but you might remember me as the patient who had the largest file, which is true because back then (laughs) they were paper files still, and it looked like an encyclopedia. Every time I would go there, they'd have to like call out. out Yes, and it was huge. So I don't know how she could forget that. (laughs) Yeah. I love your advocacy with this. I love your advocacy in this way. So I think those are my main questions. Is there anything that we haven't covered about common variable immunodeficiency disorder for you or anything you can think that might help for people to know? Not necessarily about CVID, but being chronically ill in general can be very frustrating for young adults. I think like I said earlier, I never look sick. And so people often don't believe me when I say I'm not feeling well, especially back then. But even today, um, I, I was a teacher recently and I would miss a lot of work because I was exposed so much to germs. And I have a donor immune system, like I said, but it's not the same. And so I still get sick quite frequently. And my bosses, my students, everyone would give me a hard time about it. And, oh, but you look normal. You don't look sick. And so I think for 
the world in general. I wish people were more accepting of the fact that there are invisible disabilities and just being more cognizant of that because for me, those comments really get to me and it gets in my head and like, oh, am I making it up? Like I was talking about earlier and I'm pretty good about it now, like not thinking that because I know it's not true, but it really did affect me growing up. And it still hurts to hear those things today. So I would love for people to be more accepting of people with chronic illness or everyone in general, honestly, maybe just don't judge people for saying they don't feel well if they look well and everything in their world in that way. We definitely, yes, I love that message. I love that message to not judge people. And when somebody tells you they're chronically ill to believe them and be kind and empathetic in response to it, rather than expecting them to function like everybody else functions all the time. Absolutely. Well, I thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode and sharing your diagnosis, your treatment, your journey to diagnosis and treatment and what you wish the medical community could understand and family and friends and, and also just touching on invisible illness and how that impacts you. You have done a beautiful job and I'm so grateful that you would share this part of your story on this show. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love advocating. So I'm glad I got this opportunity to do that. closing, I again want to remind people that this podcast was intended to educate about the wishes and needs of the individuals that bravely shared their medical stories. This podcast was not intended to diagnose or recommend treatment for listeners. Please know that each person experiences conditions in their own ways, and for any testing, diagnosis, and or treatment recommendations, see a licensed medical health care provider in your area. The creator of this podcast is a therapist. However, this podcast is not intended to provide therapeutic testing, diagnosis, and or treatment options, and the creator of this podcast is not operating as your therapist in creating these episodes. For therapeutic support, Find a local licensed professional in your area. And finally, this podcast is listener supported. Please see the notes section for a link to PayPal and other ways to give so that this podcast can grow and support even more people in having their voices heard. Thank you and have a beautiful day.